Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Act Podcast. This is part three of what's to come for fandom in the music business featuring Bryce Carr of Bands in Town, Fender, Rally, and more. Listen in as we break down Bryce's unique path in the music business, along with some iconic changes to come in the entertainment landscape. This is an episode you won't want to miss. And now, hosted by Harry G, this is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. So, Bryce, your very, very, very first job, what was it? I was a buster in a pizza restaurant. And I was talking with someone about this the other day, where we were talking about first jobs and the impact they have on you. And I loved that experience because it, it taught me so much about working with people. And you're kind of the low man on the totem pole when you're the busser at a pizza restaurant, but you just learn how to deal with people, how to be patient, how to do all that stuff. So that's the first, first job. Then it got cool and sexy in the music industry after that. So you were a busser at what age? Like 15, I think 15 or 16. My how parents long? made me do it. How long were you, uh, how long did you hold that job for? I worked at that company for about like three years while I was in high school. Uh, and it was, it was hard because you would always want to work either Friday and or Saturday night, but then those were the nights you could go to concerts. Yeah. So I would always have to kind of finagle my way into only working one of those two. So I'd at least get some good money, but then on the other night, go to a concert. Yeah. Or, or end up being one of the club kids and going to the after hours. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was a bus boy. I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever spoken about this before, but I, I was a bus boy at a new Italian restaurant that, you know, I think it was like this girl I went to high school with. It was her dad who owned it. Yeah. And he was looking to hire people and I, he, he hooked me up with a job and I got fired within like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. I am, I'm not cut out for, for that segment of the service industry. I just, yeah. I don't know. I didn't move fast enough or something. People were asking me to like clean pee off the walls and the bathroom. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I did all that. It was, it was an experience for sure, but, uh, it was a good one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I learned a lot. Yeah. I broke lots of dishes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so you were a busser at a pizza restaurant now. Um, all right. Next question. Some, some of these are a little out of order. Okay, so how do you think people perceive your role in entertainment versus what you actually do? Well, I think there's two stigmas that happen in the entertainment industry. One of them is more around just working in music, right? Where it's like, oh, you you work with band XYZ, so does that mean you just smoke weed with them and hang out all day? And you're kind of like, no, that's not what goes on here. So there's that one stigma of working in music that I think everyone has to overcome to your like aunt and uncle who don't work in the industry and don't get it. The other one is working in brand partnerships, right? And I think there's a perception around brand, brand partnerships. There's either two extremes. One is they just give out free XYZ, right? Like the people at Red Bull are just shipping out Red Bull cans to artists or the people at Fender are just giving away free guitars. And it's like, sure, that can be a part of what is done but the people who are in those roles aren't there because they like to give away free cans of red bull they're not there because they like to give away free cans or free guitars what 
they're there for is they like working with artists to tell their stories. And that's a big thing around the brand partnership uh, roles or artist partnership roles on the brand side. The other end of that is, of course, brands people at like labels or agencies or whatever, where everyone's always like, oh, brand partnerships, you just want money. You just want money. It's like, sure, that money helps because at the end of the day, it's going back to the artist. Whether or not it's directly going back to the artist, it's allowing the label to have it make sense to pay artists. Right. But those individuals are really focused on marketing artists and like looking for the right opportunity to get an artist in front of a wider audience. So that's the other end of it. Was this the job that you set out to get when you were very first interested in working in entertainment? No, I was supposed to be in charge of Coachella by now. So uh, <laughs> Golden Voice AEG people, if you're listening, I'm on the market and looking for a job. Uh, well, you know, it's like when I was young, I think I went to my first Coachella when I was 16 and saved some of the pizza restaurant money to be able to go. I had this experience. I didn't want to work in music when I was 16. And at my first Coachella, my best friend and I camped out all day on main stage to be able to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like that was our band. We were Southern California kids. Like you have to see Chili Peppers. And they were headlining. So we waited all day. Finally, they came on the stage and I turned around to look at my best friend and we were pretty far up, like maybe five to 10 rows back. And I remember looking at him to just be like, man, this is so cool. But I saw 70,000 people behind him. It didn't matter where those people were from, what language they spoke, what they looked like. They were all there together, smiling and singing. And to me, that was the moment where I kind of was like, man, I really should work somehow, somewhere connected to this. So the early, early job dream was I'm going to go work for Coachella. It hasn't happened yet, but, you know, I got time. I like that story, man. I got chills. I got chills hearing that. You can't, you probably, you can't see yeah. them, but, <laughs> but, but you, I got you, Exactly. You probably have something similar, right? Like when we go back, we were talking about the strategy of all these artists and like what they need to be doing and, you know, make music, but also focus on X, Y, and Z. And that's all important. But somewhere along the way, don't forget that you're not in a factory making widgets and gizmos, right? Like your job is to create, you, you, you have the, the, like, I, I don't want to say like just blessing, but it's like, it, it almost is a blessing. Like you have the ability to create something for work that makes people feel good. And that is incredibly powerful and important. That's the nice thing about working in music or other entertainment verticals. Yeah. It's very significant to, yes. to the industry, which, which is what I like, you know, um, what about what about like pay in the entertainment industry? You know, you don't have to you don't have to share uh, figures if you don't want to. But what are your what's your perspective on you know unpaid internships or you know how like often like the first jobs that we'll get are you know let's say you know you do a bachelor's degree and then you get a job in business versus you do a bachelor's degree yeah. and you get a job as an assistant at a venue or an assistant at a talent agency or something like that where you're getting paid probably ha half of what your friends would be getting paid in other industries. Yeah, yeah it sucks. Um, I, I guess I have a few thoughts on that that I think if I were to young, be younger and do it all over again, the I wish I had known type stuff. Um, one is it really does suck. And a lot of companies view it as the cool tax where like 
you get to do a cool job. So therefore we get to pay you less. And it kind of is like this awful thing where they realize like, oh, I could pay 10 to 20% less than that bank that they want to go work at. And they're still going to pick me over that bank because they want a cool job. And so therefore they don't have to pay you more. And now that all of these labels are like publicly traded, right? Like they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to save as much money as possible. And so they are just going to pay less. I, you know, I don't like it. I think the discrepancy between an entry-level job and a senior job at many music companies is extreme. I don't have any like comps to confirm that, but just from everything I've ever heard, the amount of money you make coming out of college to the amount of money you make 10 years later is so much different than I think it is in many other industries. And that's kind of like a a hard thing about that role. So you just have to be used to that. The one thing I wish I had known was work in tech, work in music tech. If you love music and you love music tech, generally speaking, I've seen those jobs pay a little bit more and that can be nice. This is a quick little shout out to uh, Lauren, Mary, uh, Dan, Robbie, all of my interns over there, Gabby, that I've been really pushing music tech down their throats. I'm like, read more articles on music tech, entertainment tech, understand that tech has has the budget to pay you and you can pivot from tech to entertainment or if you're already in entertainment and tech, that's how you can get a substantial pay increase yeah get skills like a community manager because those are the you know you could work in web3 and you could be making close to six figures out of college yeah you know, with, with minimal experience yeah it's crazy though like community it's the uh the sexiest most needed role in the music industry right now is that's what manager. billboard said right yeah yeah, billboard, I, yeah. it's true yeah I mean, I've been managing a community now for a little while. Why aren't they paying me? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, okay, cool. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, it's it's cool to, to talk about these conversations because it's it's real. You know, like, what would you have done differently? It's, well, I would have I would have worked a little bit more in tech first and then pivoted because then yeah. you know your worth. Yeah. The other thing I'll say, just in case, like, anyone who's listening is young, know that it sucks but like it sucks for everyone else that's there with you. So lean lean on them for a support system and have conversations with them about all of that and then make it work from there. Absolutely. Yeah, support systems are incredibly important. And you know, it, it's it's not to bash the the traditional way of going in, about in the music industry. It's just you know, you can work hard or you can work smart, right? Yeah. And sometimes you need to you need to do things that you might necessarily not have the most interest in, but that will pay off, you know, in a year or two afterwards. Well, you know, that it's just funny you say that because I would think like 75% of the people out there don't love their job. And like in the music industry, we're lucky that we love so much of our jobs that occasionally sometimes when we have bad moments, even like half the time we hate our jobs, we're still doing better than most people, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, man, I was, there were many moments in each one of my jobs. It's funny that you say that, that I was just like, fuck, why am I doing this? You know? 
And then now I look back and I was like, I only remember all the good, you know, and I remember some of the, some of the hard times too, but I loved them because it, it made me who I am today because of those experiences. But, you know, I remember I kept getting stuck doing data work mm-hmm. in my internships and it was like thankless work. And I, I often found ways, I, I hated it so much that I found ways to automate a lot of the work and it got me recognized and I built systems so that if I did it one time, I never had to do it again or, or, or it would, or if I had to do it again, it would take me 20% of the time. Yeah. And those are the actual skills that you really, really, really learn. And that's, that's what makes you the most valuable in your roles. Yep. I want to go jump back to you for a moment. All right. What's your morning routine when you're, when you know, when you're working full time, what's your, what's your regular morning routine to stay on track of everything? Yeah. I, I think this is probably a bad habit, but wake, (laughs) wake up and check emails right away. Um, I've heard a lot of people say you should not do that, but you know, depending upon your role, you're working with people international and being in California, it's like lunchtime by the time you start working here. And so you're always a little bit behind. So I have a theory that the people that are saying not to check your emails right when you wake up are the people that are on the East coast. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely one for me. I'll see if there's any like urgent fires I need to put out. And then if not, usually try to go to the gym or just relax a little bit. I'll put on music and then uh, I'll go through like some podcasts usually. So either just quick news stuff or like a 20 minute segment that's focused around a specific story. And then I start my day. Great. And you get up what time? Eight, nine? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll get up uh, usually around eight o'clock, depending upon what the vibe is for the day. Yeah. Since I moved to the West Coast, being an East Coaster, it's what you're saying is so real. Getting up at like, you know, eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock or like starting your work day at that time, it's already lunchtime for everyone else right yeah that's scary so now what i've been i've been pushing i know i'm going to sound like such a such a jerk by saying this like i've been pushing to get up at at six every morning which is you know i I haven't been able to master that yet but i get up between six and seven and it's like it's nice to not have to wake up for a job if you know what i mean so meaning that if if you can get up for yourself and give yourself maybe an hour and a half to even two hours of time before starting your actual like job. I feel like that is a really good habit to try to build. And I wish I had done that in college Yeah, because then I would have, I would have had that. I would have had those habits. Yeah. It's good. I, I mean, you probably go to bed really early, like an old person. No, uh, I wish <laughs> sometimes I'm like in the morning, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get up, you know, just splash the water on my face or something, go out for a walk. Yeah. But, but yeah, I try to, I try to get into bed now. Bef- I, I, I have a, I have a theory that for every minute that you're asleep before midnight, it counts as double. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I've spent so much of my time going, you know, in my earlier twenties going to sleep at like. I don't know, like two thirty, three a.m. Have to get yeah. to work for nine. Well, it's kind of like the theory that you have a second stomach just for dessert. So yeah. I believe both that and what you just shared for sure. All right, all right. I appreciate that. Okay, so let's see. Um, how do you work with people that you don't get along with? So I think that all of us have probably situations that we can 
kind of relate to on that one. Um, I think there's, it, it kind of depends on the dynamic, right? And how you're working with the person, why you're working with the person. I am one of those people that's always like, just kill them with kindness, right? Like if, if I am nice to you, I am working with you. If you're just being an absolute jerk back to me and I'm being as nice as I am, that's on you. And you have to have like this moment where you're like, I did everything I could. They are just a bad, nasty person and I don't want to be around them. But especially if you're coming up in the industry, you'll run into situations like that with people like stepping on you and trying to just be jerks. And one of the only things you can do is just be as nice and as on top of it as you can be. And that serves to be a win. It's a great answer. And it's an answer I've heard before, you know, killing people with kindness. And I've heard it from people that have had successful careers in entertainment time and time again. Earlier on in your career, it's it's most important to be like that, right? Just be a go-getter, be friendly, have a good energy about you, and just be willing to eat shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I think the worst, professionally speaking, one of the worst experiences or situations that can happen is someone going to your boss to complain about you and say, oh, Bryce isn't getting back to me on emails or Bryce is being rude or Bryce didn't deliver what he was supposed to deliver. Like anything you can do to avoid those situations as you kind of grow professionally, that's something that you should prioritize. And I, and I definitely mean prioritize because there are times where you're going to have to put aside different projects to make sure that you don't find yourself in those situations. And that's, it just comes down to being smart about what you're working on instead of finding yourself in a bad situation. What is um what is some advice or what's what's a screw up that you had earlier on in your career that helped you learn a valuable lesson? When I was younger and I was working for an in-ear monitor company, I used to sneak into venues by acting like I was part of the crew. I would just wear all black. I had some tour laminates that different clients had given me and I'd put them on like my belt and I would walk up to venues and just get to the door by like loading and say, oh man, another day, another city, and just walk right in. And it was always great because I would never have to wait for like an escort to come let me in or like try to wrangle the band or whatever. But I would do it as kind of like a sales technique and I would just like show up and talk to clients and make sure they were good. But I remember one time I got caught and the the venue manager was just like so upset and threatened to ban me from the venue. And it was, it was funny because I realized, I remember being like 20 when this was happening, maybe 21 and realizing like, we all have a job to do, right? Like I was doing my job. I was doing it in a way that conflicted with someone else's job, but I was just a little, probably a little too confident in what I was trying to do. And it kind of taught me just to be a little more, real about how things need to work but i do i still now that being said i still think that sometimes you have to be a little sneaky in this industry and like come to a problem and when you face your pr problem be solution forward like look for how to get through things but make sure you do it in a way that's that's fair i love that story it, yeah, shows, so I, it shows you're a go-getter yeah you know it works yeah banned, and banned, banned from house of blues san diego probably but all right <laughs> I, I i know a guy at house of blues i can, I can get you off Good. that list sneak me in i'll wear a wig yeah exactly now it's um this is very much an industry of ask for forgiveness not for permission yeah 
So if anyone's listening out there, like we're not going to tell you what to do, um, you know, but all I'm going to say is there are rules and there are laws. Laws you need to abide by, but rules are meant to be broken. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. You You ever play the game Munchkin? No. Okay, it's, it's, it's sort of like a, it's a board game, but the whole thing is you're supposed to cheat as much as you can and kind of bend the rules without getting caught. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, yeah, it's a fun thing, right? Like, just make sure that you can always defend the situation that you find yourself in, but definitely push it as much as you feel like you need to to be successful. All right, man. Two more questions. Let's do it. All right, first one, cats or dogs? Dogs, that's easy. I, uh, I'm a big dog guy, and... I almost brought my dog into this recording, but she was probably going to shake her collar and make too much noise. But uh, yeah, dogs all the way. What kind of dog you got? She's like a nine pound rescue. She's uh, she's smuggled in from Mexico. So she is not a Trump fan. She uh, is here <laughs> illegally, but you know, she hasn't been deported yet, but she's great. Like love of my life. Love that well, dog. What's her name? Luna. Luna, like like yeah. like the cryptocurrency that that. Uh, uh, yeah, we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't talk uh, about no, that. there's a, <laughs> there's a, a Luna means moon in Spanish, and since she's from Mexico, we just yeah we kind of like the name. But it's apparently, nice kind of yeah, it became a basic bitch dog name now. Like apparently, there's a lot of Lunas, and she's not unique. It's like a trendy dog name. So messed up on that one. Yeah, you got you got to spell it like L O O N A or something. Yeah, find a weird way to spell it. Yeah. All right. And the last question, I know you already mentioned this once, but I'm going to ask you one more time. What is the one thing that you want the listener to leave with from today's conversation? Yeah. The big one is the greatest asset you have is a relationship with fans and leverage that as much as you can grow that as much as you can make sure that your fans feel respected by you. And then you know, you have to have good content, but good content is nothing if there's no relationship with fans. It goes back to what we were talking about before is like, you can have great, great music, but with no fans, what's the point, right? Like build a following, grow that following, treat them with respect. And that's where the focus should be. Sweet. All right, Bryce, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was uh, good to catch up and have this conversation and share some of my thoughts. Remember, new episodes release every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific. See you there.